0: Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series dedicated to helping all of us talk more openly about money. Each show features a special guest who will share with you one of their favorite money myths. Then together we'll discuss how to bust that myth wide open. My name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury and I am your host. My company is KBK Wealth Connection and in this company I'm committed to helping women, couples, families, and their financial teams shatter money taboos and learn how to effectively talk about money. It's such a great honor today to be joined by Ann Hutchins. Let me tell you a little bit about Anne, and then we can get into her myth. Ann Hutchins is a certified financial coach and co-author of the book, Finance is Personal. She has over 30 years of investment experience, holds an MBA in finance from Babson College, and a BA in American Studies from Hamilton College. Originally, she was from Massachusetts, but she now lives and practices in California, where she enjoys the outdoor life the state has to offer. All of these activities I love, so she loves sailing, biking, swimming, and occasionally participating in triathlons. That's very impressive. Uh, Anne has held the board of trustee positions at both Babson College and Hamilton College, and she's a past board member of the Women's Economic Ventures in Santa Barbara. And she's a current board member of the ELOS Foundation and the LinkedIn Found, sorry, Linked Foundation, both in Santa Barbara. She also volunteers in financial literacy program with Partners in Education. Welcome Anne to the call.
1: Thanks, Kathleen. It's really terrific to be here, and I love what you're doing. Thank you. I'm so excited
0: to talk to somebody else who is kind of in the financial coaching, financial psychology world. It always makes for a fun conversation. And so let's get right out there with what your myth is. Um, You brought the myth Uh, today education is priceless and I think that's a really intriguing interesting uh, myth so tell us a little bit about why you picked that myth what motivated you to say that's the myth I want to focus on today
1: well you know I want to say right up front that I am a big believer in education I'm a believer in giving people tools that help them become self-sufficient uh But when it comes to education, I think far too often people just dive into education without thinking about the cost, how they're going to pay for it, and what the return for them is. And I don't mean just the financial return. I mean both the intellectual and the human capital return. So the my interest in breaking open this myth is in opening up a conversation between parents and their kids getting ready to go to college between advisors and their students and in the college administration that really says how do how do i figure out if and when further education is right for me and what am i willing to pay for it in order to get the skills that I need.
0: So with this particular myth, say somebody buys into education is priceless. And I have to say being a college professor and being somebody who really advocates for my nieces and nephews uh, to go to college, some of them listen, some of them don't, um, I am supportive like you are of education. But it sounds like when people actually have this belief that education is priceless, it may get them into trouble. Can you speak a little bit to how potentially this could uh, negatively
1: impact someone to buy into this myth? Well, you know, there are, and and I'm not making any judgments on any of this, but these are things that I've seen with my clients, for example. Um, Parents have a high value on education, and perhaps they have gone to, an Ivy League or another private school are very proud alumni and they want their kids to have the same experience that they did so that's what they guide their kids to. That may not necessarily be the right thing for the for the students, for the daughter son and it quite often isn't explored. The child will apply to a number of colleges and be advised to apply to a number of colleges, depending on what their intellectual capabilities are, or their scores, or all those other things. And they may end up in a college that's not right for them, and that's very expensive and struggling. And I think, you know, uh, theres I haven't studied a lot of this, but there is so much more stress in college these days with kids. That This is one way that some of that stress can be relieved before they even get there and our book uh, it's called finances personal making the most of your money in college and beyond is really aimed squarely at beginning the conversation when the kids start in high school exploring interests whether it's with their parents or with their high school advisors and then thinking about what they're going to be experiencing in college in terms of the cost and the choices they'll make. Do they live in a dorm? Do they not live in a dorm? Do they have roommates? Do they not have roommates? So are they on a meal plan? Or are they not on a meal plan? Are they at a private school or are they at a community college? Do they go to a community college for a couple of years and then transfer to another school? These are all things that we ask about in the book, and it all starts with, What's your money story? What is your parents' money story? And what are your bo- both your goals and your beliefs? I actually think this is a
0: wonderful conversation for all of those reasons, but it's a great teachable moment to teach young people about how do you evaluate investing in yourself? And that um you know we can exactly all right. you know we can all get caught up in you know, Harvard or Yale is, you know, better than Bunker Hill Community College. And I'm, you know, just throwing out some examples. But in fact, if it's not a good fit, I imagine that it's uh, not a good investment. And it ultimately, when you talk about pressure, you know, a long time ago, I was a counselor at a uh, college. And I can tell you, you know, that was many years ago. And the pressure was great then. I can only imagine what it might be like now. And then also to know, wow, this is mom and dad's school, Um, They're paying a ton of money, and and I don't like it. You know, how do you speak up in that situation when you're 18, 19, 20? It's, It's difficult. So I can really see how these conversations are so important. Now, before we get into talking a little bit more about how um thinking about education and, and the cost of education in this way is useful can you look at this myth and is there any upside to it is there any way in which having the myth, the myth education is priceless could actually be helpful to a family or a parent or a soon to be college student
1: yeah absolutely and i want to come back uh, we, i'll answer the question first but i want to come back to the teachable moment that you mentioned but the the upside really is pursuing an education when maybe you don't have a model for an education, uh, for for a higher education. Maybe you're the first in your generation to in your family to go to college, and it's a way of changing your way of life, or maybe it's a way there. You know, college to a lot of students, is about a lot more than the academics. It's about developing your sense in a community. It's about how you you begin to live independently. There are a lot of real positive things about college. And so I wouldn't dismiss it completely. As a matter of fact, I don't dismiss it completely. All I'm saying is that it is a really great opportunity for parents and children to begin to have a conversation and develop a way of communicating at a pretty major transition in the, in the teenager's life that sets a stage for how they communicate at other transitions in their lives. Now, the, the teachable moment is how the parents open up the conversation and begin to, tr- to allow the teenager to participate in the decision-making around college in a more quote unquote adult way than they have before. You know, everybody makes mistakes and teenagers are going to make mistakes, but if you're going to make a mistake, doing it within the framework of your family decision making and communication is better than, it's a, a more productive way than doing it just out on your own in society where the consequences may be greater. Does that make sense? It does. And in fact, you know, uh, the education is priceless. It sounds like
0: that can be quite motivating, especially for somebody who maybe um, is in an economic bracket or in a family situation where it might feel like a really big reach. Um, and, and, you know, I think of my husband in that way. He was the first one to go to college, and, and he talks a lot about how it did change his life. Now, he went to a place uh, that didn't feel affordable, but if you looked at affordability in colleges, this is kind of an ironic term these days, but um, if you look at that, it, it did kind of yeah. fit and it did work yeah. for his family. Um, but when you're talking about this teachable moment and the fact that to just not to rush into it, um, I think that's so important. I know when I went off to school, uh, you know, my my family talked a lot about different types of money and you know uh, balancing the checkbook and all those good financial lessons. But I didn't have any appreciation for what they were spending for me to go to school, uh, for what they were contributing for me to have a meal plan. And if I didn't eat it or I just skipped the meals, how that, you know, financially could impact the family. And so it it is a really interesting time to have these key conversations. So if you are either a young person um, listening into this podcast or your parent sitting out there going, oh, you know, I'd love to have this type of dialogue. But I don't know how to start. What recommendations would you have, Ann, for
1: how you start this money conversation? Well, I, you know, just before I answer that, I want to say that this is a, an important conversation up and down the socioeconomic scale. It's as important for families of wealth to have this conversation as it is for families who are who may be first generation and going to college. Because it's all about the conversation. And the way you begin it is you, you know, if you haven't had these kinds of conversations before, you have to start slowly and you have to practice. So, one of the things that you can do, for example, I had a client, he and his wife had saved uh, for their daughters, their first daughter was going off to college. And when she started looking at schools, She was looking at Ivy League schools, and they realized that the amount that they had saved, which was quite a bit of money, wasn't enough to pay full boat for the Ivy League tuition. So what they did was they sat her down, they had a family meeting, and they said, look, this is what we have saved. We want you to be part of this conversation. So This is what we've saved. This is what we see the tuition as being for the schools you're looking at. Why don't you develop your plan, think about it, develop a plan, come back to us, and we'll have another meeting in a week. And we'll talk about what the possibilities are, because we're not telling you not to go to school. We just want you to be part of the conversation and to try to help us figure this out. So she came back three days later and she said, I'm ready. And they said, well, we gave you a week. And she said, no, I'm ready. And she said, here's what I would like to do. I would like to go to a community college. She happened to live in a a community where the community was, I mean, where the community college was a really good one. Mm -hmm. And she said, "Uh, here's what it's going to cost for two years. And I want to go to this community college and then I want to transfer to the, uh, and she lives in California, so the UC system is really good, to to one of the UCs, and uh, this is what I wanna pursue. And she had figured it out so that they were actually saving money from the original, from their original pot. She was gonna spend less. But that's the kind of conversation that you wanna have. You wanna give your child the opportunity to come back with a plan And then listen to their plan instead of maybe just saying, ah, that's not going to work. But just asking questions about where you got that information and focusing on the data that they bring back. Well, you know, it's interesting because I can picture two
0: things happening because that's a great, I mean, that's a great outcome, but I can picture... Um, you know, a a young person being like, Ma, Dad, you don't believe in me. I can't believe you don't want the best for me. You know, doing the whole guilt trip thing. So I can see them going that direction. I also can see somebody um, saying um, something along the lines that you somewhat addressed, which is, you know, throwing in the towel. Oh, well, why bother? School's too expensive. And so when it doesn't work out so well, uh, or there's, you know, typically in a conversation, sometimes there's some bumps or some conflict, how do you recommend parents handle that when, when initially the first conversation doesn't go as
1: beautifully as you'd like it to? Well, so in the in the incidents that you cite, the first one where you say, "No, you, you don't believe in me," the 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 answer would be, "It's not that we don't believe in you. We need to figure out how to do this." So if you come back with a plan that says, you know, if if we're say ten thousand dollars short per year, and we agree to loan you that money at X percent, then make a case for that loan. So now you have the learning becomes, okay, I'm learning how to apply for a loan and how to justify the spending in increase in, for example, intellectual capital. Or it's going to, going to XYZ college is going to allow me to get the, the tools that I need to be the best architect possible, for example. And when I graduate, I will have this kind of salary as a starting architect, and I can pay you back over time given this. Now... Right this is all plans i mean we all have plans and plans don't work out but the point is not to just say no or to to buy that argument that you don't believe in you don't believe in me but to say yes we do and how can we figure this out and so you mentioned intellectual for example yep. and in the-
0: you mentioned intellectual capital in what you just said and, and well, I- I was- can you say a little bit more about what you mean just so listeners can can understand that
1: so what I mean by intellectual capital is expanding, the, expanding the, the intellectual capacity and tools by going to college. You know, the students, instead of students just saying, yeah, I need to go to college, trying to figure out what they think, what they think they are going to get when they go to college. Not necessarily the the tools, but is there going to be a different way? Do they think there's going to be a different way of thinking? Do they think that there's going to be an expansion in their, in the way that they learn, in the way that they behave, in the way that they are in the world? Does that make sense? It does.
0: And so really having them think about, you know, if you're spending X, Y, and Z money, what's the return on investment in some cases? Um, and I know you also, um, talks in the book and we've talked before about social capital. Can you say a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, the, the thing that I want to be careful of is that it, there's not always a financial return on, you know, if you have somebody who is a very gifted artist trying to put a financial, just purely financial return on that. Is going to be tough. So you have the quanti- quantitative and you have the qualitative, and that's the intellectual or that's the intellectual capital that I'm talking about. Is the qualitative piece for those uh, for those skills that are less financially valued in our world.
0: So when you're, when I'm talking about, and, and I thank you for calling me on this, when I'm talking about return on investment, I, I am not always just thinking in dollars and cents. But I think, um you know, you hear a lot from parents, yeah. or at least I do nowadays of, oh, I can't believe that person, you know, I can't believe my daughter wants to go into psychology. There's no money in it. Um, by the way I think psychology is the number one major being selected these days Uh, and so it's interesting so what you're saying is really thinking in a broader sense of it's not about just when you know when you get out in the world how you're gonna make that money back it's also what are you going to provide for yourself for your family uh, for society and really thinking about return on investment in a a much more um, I guess to use your words a quantitative and qualitative manner
1: Absolutely. It's the same way that wealth is not just, mon- it's been, u- it uses in our language, I mean, in the mostly often, it's used to be financial capital and wealth is, is all those other things. It's wealth, it's quality of life, it's intellectual, it's, uh, it's financial, and it's experiential, right? Right. So if somebody's listening to us right now and they're saying, well, okay, education
0: is priceless, maybe that's not the greatest way of framing it, um, because that can be a myth. How would you encourage them to reframe it? Like, what would be a new mantra they could say? In
1: oh gosh, you know, uh, I feel like it education. starts with
0: education is valuable. Dot dot dot. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know the rest of it.
1: Yeah, education is valuable. It. Uh, you know I, I it's what immediately came to mind was broadly defined and and i think that that's way too broad but education is valuable ah see how it is valuable this with a purpose it is it's really hard to get it down to just a couple of words that you know we want to live in that easily easily remembered sort of thinking but you know i think kathleen if i could say one thing about this myth it's that education is priceless as long as um uh, as long as you've considered the cost and you know broadly speaking
0: no and and you know what i think that that's great i think what what's What happens sometimes on this show, and it it makes perfect sense, is that a lot of the times when we have a myth or we have a little saying that we say, it it often is overly simplified. And I think what we're getting at today on the call and what you're really bringing to light for people who are listening is that it's complex, that education is valuable or education may be priceless, but you need to also figure out... what are you getting in return what makes where's the right fit for you both emotionally as well as financially as well as socially and so there's a lot of different components and and I love that you're encouraging people to have a money conversation that not only is really useful during a difficult transition let's face it, in mom and dad's life as well as the kid's life, but also a great foundation for continuing to have these types of financial uh, family conversations going forward. And, you know, I understand it's more than financial, but there's, there is definitely this financial piece that I think if we're busting through money silence and breaking it, that then these conversations would become uh, more
1: commonplace than maybe they are yeah i think that that's a really important point and and it really is a money conversation it's a money conversation about about responsibility right so how do we how do we support uh your expand, you know parent talking to child so how do we support your continued growth and believe that that you do deserve the best that you can get and help you take responsibility for your choices. Perfectly
0: said. So time always goes so quick on this show. Um, uh, So I want to thank you, Anne, for your participation and for your thoughts. And boy, there's a lot percolating in my head because I've never looked at this myth for myself. So it's really been useful on a personal level. I think it's probably very useful to the people who are listening. Now, I want everyone out there to know how to contact you and also how to buy a copy of your book. So
1: can you speak to that before we sign off today? Yes, thank you very much. And first of all, thank you for this work. I think it's really important blowing apart these money myths. So thank you for that. Uh, the book is available at Amazon.com in both electronic and hardback uh, versions. And you can reach me on my website at www.a, b as in boy, Hutchins, Definitely check out the book and check out
0: Ann, and if you have any questions or comments about this podcast, I'd love to hear about them myself as well. Um, So thank you so much, Ann, and thank you to everybody out there who's listening to Breaking Money Silence. Once again, my name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I'm a wealth psychology expert and author, and I'm dedicated to getting people talking about money matters. For more information about my book, Speaking and Services, please visit my website at kbkwealthconnection.com. And remember that together we can break money silence for good.